At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber and Jim Cramer. Futures are weak ahead of a three-day weekend as the first round of Q4 bank earnings are decent. Uh, but do leave the market somewhat underwhelmed. Add to that some weak macro, retail sales down 2-1, X autos and gas. Our roadmap this morning begins with bank earnings in focus. J.P. Morgan, Wells and City, PNC all crossing the tape. Plus, President-elect Biden's big stimulus plan will have details on the nearly $2 trillion plan to boost the recovery from the pandemic. And, of course, we're keeping an eye on IPOs. Yeah, a lot of momentum there. The biggest debut of the year on tap today, online gaming company Playtica. This after two monster debuts yesterday, Carl. It just keeps going. Yeah, what a week. Let's dive right into the banks, guys. Uh, Jim, a lot of moving pieces. Uh, J.P. Morgan, of course, uh, the most important among them. What do we need to understand about what they said about reserve releases and sort of the near-term uncertainty that's reflected in the reserves that are still there? Well, look, I look at J.P. Morgan, uh, like I look at all these, uh, City 2. Uh, there's going to be a tale of two cities, uh, which is that there's before the uh, vaccine and then after, though City believes that it's going to roll out uh, more slowly. J.P.M., uh, I'm just going to say this was one of the greatest quarters that I have ever seen. And the stock was justifiably up. And then City reports and people said, ah. and then Wells Fargo reports. And Charlie Sharp, who runs Wells Fargo, is not a promoter. He's an operator. And he told it like it is, which is he still is nowhere near where he wants to be. And that's why that stock is brought down. David, when you have a CEO who is as blunt as Charlie Sharp and he says, we're not there, uh, you can't say he's there. And yeah. I think Charlie brought things down by being just. Yeah, but although Jamie Dimon is pretty blunt as well. Yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, you don't you don't get a lot of shading with him. No. <laughs> uh, at all. Um, and they had a good quarter. Right. I mean, obviously, reserve releases. Right. Uh, certainly helped. But you really? think that the tone for the banks is going to be led by Wells Fargo, even though we all know Wells has been in a very different um, set of circumstances. Well, it would be wrong. I mean, Wells isn't about to be, I think, uh, the, the sanctions against Wells are going to go away. Uh, Sharf is fixing things. But you know what? Dovetail the retail sales, David, with what happened with these guys, with all the banks. People are not spending. They are saving, okay? It is unprecedented saving. So I think that it actually hurt all these banks that hunk- the hunkering down is not a good thing for a bank. They need people to take take a loan. Carl, we have the best balance sheets that uh, we've seen in a long time. I know that we have to do stimulus. I wish it were targeted stimulus because it's really the people who are out of work that need it. Because if you look at the numbers from these three banks, the people who have jobs are doing fabulously and they're not spending because there's nothing to spend on. 
Although, well, Jim, uh, look at JPM credit card spend. Q4 down three. Yeah. Before that, Q3 was down eight. And before that, and Q2 is down 23. So directionally, the numbers are moving in the right direction. Well, yes, but I mean, it, actually, Citi's not, not as strong as that uh, in terms of spend. I, I just think that what we all kind of felt at this point was that maybe the fourth quarter was robust for finance. All right. We saw more deals. There were an incredible number of IPOs, but it wasn't strong enough to uh, offset even the 8 percent. David, I still think that the theme is vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Yeah, well, that's probably true. Let's not forget the financials have been incredibly strong since, right. well, really since uh, late November, sort of after Thanksgiving, when J.P. Morgan increased and got the ability to increase their buyback significantly. Right. I mean, we've seen a huge rally off, of course, uh, Lowe's and what was a terribly performing group for much of 2020. But it's a reopening Jim. trade, and we're not reopened yet. That's the problem. I mean, Carl's right about the progression, but everybody bought these stocks saying, you know what, we got to buy them now because of the reopening that's coming. Right. And then this is a rude awakening because you find out, wow, maybe I jumped the gun. Also, net interest margin still plays an important role here. And J.P. Morgan's income from, you know, net interest margin income is not going to be what it was. No. Even back in 2019, when you would imagine rates were not particularly high, but they were higher. Well, it's a, it, Carl, it's a real wake up call for the people who said, you know what, I've got to get in these stocks. Uh, because not this quarter, but the next quarter is going to be much better because of the vaccine. And it looks like that they're going to give up some of those gains. They're not going to give up all those gains because we are close to having a massive rollout, particularly when you think about what the Democrats are saying. I mean, they're really just saying, I think Biden's really saying, you know what, we're going to give the money to people and we're going to get this vaccine done. Uh, He's going to need a lot of help. And it's not just the government, which obviously hasn't done a good job. Uh, I think that if yeah. you have a positive attitude about when we're going to have get uh, jabbed, you buy every one of these after they're down. And if you have a negative attitude, then you can't touch them. Jim, do you still concern yeah, that Jim, they have $30 billion in, in, you know, at, at, uh, at J.P. Morgan? I just wonder, we put it up there earlier, Diamond's comments. I mean, does it make people wonder whether they're still quite concerned about the performance of the economy. Yes, they had uh, obviously they had reserve releases, as I said, but their credit reserves of over 30 billion continue to reflect significant near term economic uncertainty. Is that something you think that's concerning here? I think that that language was off putting. Um, I would have loved to seen that the uncertainty will soon be put behind us. He did not say that. Uh, These they're all uh, when you speak behind the scenes, uh, they'll say, hey, when do you think everyone's going to be vaccinated so we can get more bullish? Meaning that we're not bullish yet. And I think that that's actually a prudent position. Carl, you know that the country is hanging on when they can get immunized. And so are the banks. Yep. No, I know, Jim. Uh, of course, we had Diamond also say that we could see a healthy economy by summer. We had Powell yesterday say we could get back to the peak uh, fairly uh, soon. And then J.P. Morgan Kalanovic out this morning, Jim. We expect 2021 to deliver the strongest year of global GDP growth in over two decades as mass vaccination permanently severs the link between the COVID virus and economic activity. We remain overweight equities, commodity and credit. So they're doing exactly what you're saying people are waiting to do. Yes. Uh, Look, these stocks are going to go down because they ran uh, and because people felt somehow that all the commentary would be. Uh, we are about to have a happy days are here again. What Mike Corbett from City sure doesn't feel that. He says, look, it's going to roll over time. Uh, I think that that's kind of 
unless we get this thing under control, the role over time is going to leave a lot of people, uh, I think, on the sidelines and uh, going to make it so that people jump the gun. Uh, David, jumping the gun ahead of what was an administration that kind of checked out since November? Yeah. Not so smart. No, uh, not at all. Um, Jim, you know, the backdrop, of course, is it's been a terrible week in this country in terms of deaths from COVID. Yes, yes. Uh, there's continued concern about these other strains that are clearly here that are more transmissible. Thankfully, no more deadly, but still more transmissible ultimately means potentially more deadly because more people will get it and therefore more people will potentially die before we get to that point where we really do have a lot of the population immunized. Look, uh, when you look at, at all of these, all, there's just a, such an undercurrent. You know, the unprecedented operating environment that, uh, that Charlie Sharp is talking about uh, and the required work to put our substantial legacy issues behind us as Wells Fargo is why that stock is really going down. I and mean, it's hard to go and buy it knowing what he's saying. But I'm actually telling people that you should buy it after it goes down because we are going to get vaccinated. We are. And I hate to focus endlessly on it, but that's what these quarters are going to be about uh, for uh, anything that's in finance. I mean, BlackRock had a great quarter. And somehow that didn't work. So uh, let's just wait. If you want to own them, I think you can get a better chance. But the numbers are, for, no. other than for Wells Fargo, David, they're not going to come down. No. I mean, I think what you want to do as a strategy, if you want to get your stock price up, is get everybody short and then appeal to the Reddit crowd. And then you're off to the races. But David, then you can Jamie, be another GameStop. So you're saying Jamie Dimon basically is a <laughs> vendor of Xboxes and Playstations. He'd be doing better? Yeah. I'd, no, I'm just making a, a, a point about David, our market right now, which is interesting dynamics in terms of pockets of this market where battles are being played out. Right now, between it's hedge funds and short Bed sellers. And or, or I should say short sellers in the form of hedge funds. And the crowd you talk about so often that either watches us or sees something having to do with us, but has no idea who we actually are. Do you think it's right to be do. able to uh, get together and decide to take out the shorts in GameStop? I mean, it's it all, it all fair and love and work. It worked, didn't it? It worked. Oh, right. Oh, might makes right. Yes. Might makes right. Well, when you have 140% of the stock sold short, I mean, I want to lose sight. GameStop's not as big as, say, no. J.P. Morgan. No, it's not. I was just making an allusion to, yeah. David, you're the most hated guy on the boards right now. Yeah, I know. I'm going to watch myself walking to my car. You were negative about something. Yeah, I wasn't even negative. Just trying to share a little, just trying to share well, a little reporting, right. Carl. Yeah, a little inside baseball, Carl. But well, what, what people are focused on, the younger people are moving stocks. Well, the Murray men are, are taking stocks up as if they, uh, I don't know, the 90s. Yes, the late 90s. And, Carl, it's interesting, you know, you used to get the hate mail a few days later when we questioned valuation <laughs> or things of that nature. Now it's immediate on Twitter, so you get immediate reaction, but it's very similar in hey, tone. Yeah. We're all for that feedback uh, in real time. <laughs> Jim, if, uh, if the key is uh, effectiveness of vaccination, we're going to hear from the president-elect later on today. You got City Field, Dodger Stadium, Disneyland. Uh, turning into mass vaccination sites. And I know you've got some more intelligence on how important those kinds of venues are going to be in the months ahead. Yep, I had Darius Adamchek last night. Uh, and he's the CEO of Honeywell. He's a great uh, supply chain logistics man. And then I spoke to Dave, Te Dave Tepper at length today. And David is uh, owner of the Panthers. He's making his stadium available. What do they want to do? They want to get uh, aspirational, 10000 a day. And uh, we should just listen. We should just listen to where he was last year versus now. 
We're trying to back engineer it ourselves right now, so I think that's what you got to do is try to figure it out. Certainly ruined uh, the, the environment and the setup right now, so it's what, brand new. So and what's important, I know that you, you talked to Joe, it was a good time, but this does, it's a game changer, uh, so we, isn't it? It was a, it, you have, you have to be careful because it may be a game changer. So you just got to be cautious. And two weeks ago, you, you before the virus, it was one thing, yeah. and it's a different environment right now. So it is what it is. Well, I got to tell you, now we're on the other side. Uh, he, I don't say he's wildly bullish. I say he's very constructive. Uh, he saw this coming. He knew to get out. And now he feels that there are pockets where you should be in, pockets of incredible, uh, of very reasonable valuations. And I think it's important to recognize that a guy who knew that it was going to go lower because of the virus is now taking a more positive stance. But remember, he's also taking it in his own hands. They are Atrium, uh, Honeywell and David are saying, you know what, the government's not going to do it. The 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 way that we have it set up is not going to work. We're going to take it in our hands. We're going to vaccinate people working with the governor. I think our hope, Carl, is more teppers. More people and more damn checks who just say, we know the government can't do it. We want to work with whoever we can. Give us the give us the vials. We will get it in people's arms. And that is very, very bullish. And I think that they can make a very big difference, Carl. This is not one off. Tepper and a damn check are early. We will see this in every city that they can't take it anymore. And they're taking it into their own hands and get it into people's arms. That's a, a lot for corporate America and, and just the private sector at large, Jim, to take on. Uh, vaccine logistics, trying to reform campaign finance, save American democracy. I mean, in addition to the quarter, I mean, American business has its hands full. They, they're up to it. I think that people starting to realize Mark Benioff was right, the CEO of Salesforce. I know the stock's underperformed, David. It's OK. Um, <laughs> that uh, business is the greatest force of social change. And I think this is something very new. Younger people understand it. Older people don't. Uh, these CEOs now feel it is a imperative that they get involved and do things. It's no longer an asterisk. Now it's front and center. And I think it's rather amazing. And we all have to wake up to the idea that who is distinguishing themselves during an era of, very, of difficulty? I think it's the CEOs who are trying to get together and do the right thing, whether it be getting out of the political donation or whether it be solving something that, that government seems to be punting on, which is the vaccine, which is the most important thing that we can talk about. Because if Biden gets 100 million and 100 day, whatever, that'd be great. But he needs the Teppers and the Adamchecks. You can't use the public health system. The public health system has 50, 15 minutes per person waiting in a tent. They do 50 people a day. It's crazy. Tepper's going to do 10,000 a day. My money's on Tepper, although I knew not to take the Panthers. Uh, I, I thought when CMC you were was talking about solving huge issues, Jim, I thought you were talking about the climate crisis. But uh, I'll, I'll you can say that. the same thing about it as well. I'll, I'll get to that. You, you'll, yeah. Corporate America has certainly taken more of a lead there as well over the last at least few well, years. Now, that's going to change with the incoming. guys believe in global warming, David. That CEOs. will change with the incoming administration, which obviously right. has made it a centerpiece and part of its economic policy, not just approaching it from one side, but sort of a whole uh, Approach. Remember the late CEO of Travelers, David? Yes. Sir, he, said that, yeah. he said that global warming was going to change the whole world. How long ago was that? Many years ago. Many years Many ago. First guy, because he knew not to write insurance right. in Florida. Were, uh, for, yeah, or for flooding or for so many of those different things. Yeah, A late, exactly. late great genius who understood David while the people on the boards don't. Carl, back to you. <laughs> 
Guys, we, um, we're going to break down the stimulus proposal as uh, proposed by the president-elect last night uh, in a few minutes. Uh, talk about some of the reaction that it's getting this morning on Capitol Hill. Rick Santelli brought us retail sales earlier this morning, and now he's got IP. Hey, Rick. Yes, capacity utilization, industrial production, and we're not even done after those release. We'll have our University of Michigan coming out at the top of the hour. 74.5 is our current utilization rate for the month of December. That far outstrips the expectations of 73.5, and it follows sequentially 73.3. 74.5 is definitely the best post-COVID reading that we have had. That takes us all the way back to a February reading where we're just shy of 77. Now on the industrial production side, also triple expectations, expecting up 0.5, end up with up 1.6, up 1.6. That is the best number going back to July when it was a little over four, and it really does underscore the two states of the economy. Anything that has to do with kind of mining, energy, uh, the industrial side, manufacturing, all doing much better in a COVID uh, environment than a lot of the service sector, of course, and it really gets to show up in some of these numbers. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see you in a little while. Uh, Rick Santelli, a lot of macro out today. As I said, we'll dive into the stimulus proposal. Obviously, a lot more to get to on the banks this morning. We'll talk about uh, some of the calls on the street as uh, we get a downgrade of Spotify out of city. And Walmart's e-commerce chief retiring just now. More on that with Futures Week. Don't go away. Brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional quality expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI the symbol of alternative income at eatonvance.com slash CNBC. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. As I said in the campaign trail, we will pay for that by making sure that everyone pays their fair share. Not punishing anybody. We can do it without punishing a single person by closing tax loopholes for companies that ship jobs overseas. Or to allow American companies, 90 of them, the top Fortune 500, to pay zero in federal income taxes asking everyone to pay their fair share at the top so we can make permanent investments to rescue and rebuild America. It's the right thing for our economy. It's the fair thing. It's the decent thing to do. The president-elect uh, making his stimulus pitch on television last night. A lot of responses around the Hill and the street this morning, Jim. Goldman this morning says, we don't think everything in this is going to pass. But we do raise our Q1 stimulus estimate from 750 to 11. Well, there you go. That's it's liquidity, as David Tepper told me. As long as you have the Fed being easy, and this liquidity liquidity sloshes around, it is very hard to bet against this market. There are many places where I mean, we even talked about Fang. Fang, there's some some uh, inexpensive stocks. So, uh, I think that what he said and what Powell said versus what the tape's saying today 
Let the market come in if it wants to come in. But boy, I felt that, Bi- that Biden's comments, with the exception of obviously some sort of soak the rich thing that he has to say, I thought what they said is there's going to be money in people's hands. David, when there's money in people's hands and they have jobs, you know where that money goes? Potentially into the stock market. That's right. Yeah, that's what, what you've been indicating. That's right. And there's $5 trillion on the sidelines, which is already a trillion more than, yet, than we've had. There is, although it's unclear that some of the I was some of those numbers may be a little not misstated because they're correct, right. but not necessarily reflect exactly. Well, again, if you're if you're a 27 year old and you get that check and you're gainfully employed, David, those people, they come into the market now and they love stocks. And we cannot overlook that. They well, love it, Kathy Wood. Listen, what did Kathy you spend? The, what did you spend the last minute and a half talking to Jim, uh, uh, Joe about at the end of Squawk Box? Right. Sports betting. Well, that's which, by the way, in New Jersey, you can just do on this thing. On I know, your but phone. Not in New York. Not in New York, but we're over here in New Jersey right now. How different is it for some 27-year-old to be betting on the game and, and, and betting on whether GameStop's going to go up another 10% in the next five minutes? Right, well, I have a program with DraftKings. And why? I mean, because the, they're the same. Sports betting's the same as stock investing right now, stock trading. And I think we all have to recognize that. And I think that a, a, any, any business channel, that does not talk about the overlap is not realizing who's really driving stocks right now. Okay, but you and I have been through this. We have the benefit of age. I, you know, 90, I was sitting right here, actually, right. a lot of it, 97, 98, 99, maybe it was over in the other. You mean how it ends? Way. Yeah, yeah, how does it end? Uh, in CDs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, We're back in a minute with Kramer's Mad Dash. Don't go anywhere. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. Time for a mad dash. Was to get you ready for uh, the last trading session of the week. Two minutes from now, Apple is the focus. David, remember when we used to talk about Apple all the time? Yes. Remember when it used to be the key to this market? Yes. Well, there are a couple notes this morning talking about iPhone in China going to be incredibly strong. And some of that is Huawei's inability to produce phones. Obviously, Huawei, a huge competitor. They don't have all the parts. Remember, we've... Uh, President Trump has made Huawei's life very difficult. But I think that when I see over uh, doubling expectations, people think that the number for it's going to be 18 million in China. It could be double that. Uh, and Goldman's raising his price targets big. David, Apple has to turn for this market to turn today. If you see Apple turn up, you actually could have an up day because a lot of stocks are going to be following the umbrella of Apple. Interesting. Yes. Now, we should note uh, two of the other largest market cap companies, or a, a number of them, but uh, Facebook down 10% so far this yes. year. Amazon only down 4%, but obviously a different performance, at least for the very early going here, than it saw for much of 2020. But you see the Moffat Nathanson note about how these stocks have become cheap, mm-hmm. agreeing, by the way, with David Tepper. I mean, these stocks are no longer uh, 10 times sales like we see. You know, David, we've seen these stocks. I mean, have you seen Posh? Poshmark, 
Yes, yesterday up well over, what was it, 140%? Was, was it that real, real? Was that the real, real? Was no, it, it was Poshmark. It was Poshmark. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I, I'm finding there are a lot of stocks selling at 10, 20, 30 times sales. Yes. And then you have Facebook, which is sells at a very reasonable multiple. Alphabet back out the cash sells at a market multiple. Yes. Mm. Um, yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's good. You're no, yes, I was just thinking yes, uh, yesterday, B of A, yesterday, B of A made Alphabet their top fang pick for the year, Jim, replacing Netflix last year in large part because it has failed to keep up with what the overall indices have done in tech. Uh, just incredible. Uh, by the way, you want these ones that have fallen behind. How about Zoom? Uh, Bernstein with the conviction about unified communication. Uh, Zoom has been awful, but then they did that, that uh, offering and it's been going right up, Carl. Yeah. So obviously, breath a little bit negative this morning uh, as we hang on to 3780. At the opening uh, bell, the big board, desktop metal uh, acquiring Envision Tech. At the NASDAQ, it is mobile gaming company Playtika, as David said, the largest IPO of the year. And we are going to talk to the CEO uh, later this morning on Squawk Alley. Uh, just about a handful of uh, Dow components in the green to start the morning, Jim. CRM among them, but, uh, but JPM will be the worst performer at the open. That is just so nonsensical. It was the best of the banks. It's just amazing that that's happened. But yes, it's had a big run. But people who see it and then say, you know what, it must not have been a good good quarter, they are wrong, okay? It was a good quarter. It's just that the stock ran. I think, David, it's really important for people to distinguish between a good quarter and a quarter that's not so good when a cohort takes everything down. No, I know. But I, I do feel like we go through this almost every bank earnings season. Yes, where we you do. sit there and say, these are really good numbers. And then we look and the well, stocks are down two, three, four right, percent. The stocks have gone, look, look, if you want a stock that's hurting today, it's Walmart. With Mark uh, Lurie's my departure? Charitable trust owns you think had, that that's having an impact? Yes, yeah. I've had Mark Lurie on the show. He's a visionary and a genius. And the e-com of Walmart's been very strong. Now I think the target e-com is the shift. Uh, He'll be leaving the company at the end of the month. Lori, of course, remember Jet.com, which they bought, but then he sort of took over their entire e-commerce strategy. Oh, and he's a visionary. He's fantastic. Carl, this is the Jet.com guy who uh, basically put Walmart on par with Amazon, and for him to leave is a huge loss. My Chapel Trust, again, owns it, so I'm not happy to say that, Uh, but... Mark Lurie just had a view of what would happen in e-commerce that was actually equal to Jeff. I'm going to say this. Equal to Jeff Bezos. Equal. Really? Equal? Yes. To Bezos? Yes. Come on. What do you mean, come on? Come on. (laughs) You come on. All right. You who killer of many (laughs) stocks. Mark Lurie, look, I've met him many times. I mean, he he had a vision that you would be putting goods into the people's refrigerator and you'd be dying. It all came true. He had a vision, David. A vision. Understood. He had a vision. You think he's Mo Green. He had a vision. (laughs) Mo Green had a vision, too. Nothing wrong with that. Well, he did until he got shot in the eye. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's all right. Mark Lurie, Mo Green. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? Yeah. Anyway, that does matter. And look, I understand that the tape is down. Let's Let's look to tech to take it up, Carl, because... Almost every you know, watch Zoom, watch Apple. These notes were amazing. Um, I cannot believe that Zoom's got the Zoom phone that's doing so well. Look at this thing; it's back over 400, even though they did a huge equity offering. I think Zoom's may be another stock to watch, Carl. Money may be going back to old tech. That Facebook note was really bullish. Um, 
We mentioned earlier, Jim, the uh, the sell no doubt a city on Spotify. Yeah. As they're pretty clear that the premium subs are not yet, as of Q3, uh, benefiting from the investment in podcasts. And I think the title of the report is it's just not working. Yeah, that was pretty that was incredible. Take it to a sell. Uh, one of the things I would say about Spotify the whole way and remember they did direct listing. The street's not been, been behind Spotify. Uh, Spotify's doing a lot of original thinking. Uh, but calling into question the spending a lot of money on getting talent uh, is a uh, first time. I mean, a lot of people feel that the Joe, Rog- Joe Rogan move, Carl, is a very, very bullish. And it looks like this says it wasn't. That's a change, in, that's a change Carl, in the, the dynamic. I, I want to know more about this because the stock has been a real winner and Wall Street is not stuck by it. I think the company's pretty good. Maybe, I think maybe they're moving a little too quickly at City to make a decision about a longer-term strategy. You agree with me? That's I, exactly where I was going. Mm-hmm. And it's bad. You know, he's a good analyst. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's too early to predict the demise. No, he won't. He said, I'll never do that. Too early to say that the, the company's a sale. Carl, they've done so much right. I mean, look at that chart. And you never hear anyone say, buy Spotify. I'm in Spotify's camp. I'm not, I'm not selling it. Not that I own it, but I wouldn't sell it. Speaking of media more broadly, guys, um, sorry, Carl, uh, you know, worth noting, I mean, again, this strange year so far with the handful of trading days we've had, or a few more than a handful, Viacom, Discovery, have you seen the moves in some of these stocks? I mentioned it in part, Moffitt Nathanson out this morning, upgrades, Discovery, and Snap, now two different sides here, one of value, one growth, Um, but Discovery's already up 25% this year, Uh, this year. Viacom up 23%. I mean, it's actually got a respectable market value again. I know. $28 billion. Advertising's coming back, Carl. That's what's going on here. You see many notes in, the, you know, the Moffat Nations, like, war and peace uh, in terms of length. But I would say that if advertising comes back, these stocks, the so-called also-ran stocks, could really benefit. Um, I, I like the note. Yeah, Moffat Nathanson here just said, despite the recent runs, we think both Discovery and Snap have opportunities to accelerate their revenues and profits that are still underappreciated by the street. Very bullish. Very bullish. The market's a little out of sync, Carl, with the, uh, the commentary from the analysts today, for certain. Yeah, uh, a little bit, Jim. Uh, energy's uh, really uh, at fault to some degree for the, the broader weakness in addition to the banks. Uh, we did have this, uh, this note, whistleblower complaint over at Exxon, uh, I think it's about the Permian, and Exxon's down uh, almost 3% here after having hit levels that took you back all the way to June. Yeah, that whistleblower complaint uh, that they were being pressured for unrealistic assumptions, I find it's interesting. We've got to look at how other companies are looking at that particular basin. That is the most lucrative basin in the world, and there are a lot of people who feel that the, va- the valuations are dramatically under what, is going to be pumped from the Delaware Basin Permian. So I thought this was odd. I mean, they're saying that, that, that Exxon basically pressured them, but that is the – I want to know – everyone else is telling me that is, that's Saudi Arabia. Right. Well, it, it can still be, but it doesn't mean that you aren't overestimating even then. Excuse me for taking Exxon's side for the first time ever, but I, did, I want to know more. <laughs> Uh, understood. Listen, Exxon, let's not forget, stock up on 18 percent even right now for the year. Uh, again, energy and financials had been such poor performers in 2020 through much of 2020. And then they started to surge towards the end of the year and into this new year. But Exxon also under some pressure from activists. We'll see 
whether they come to some sort of an agreement with D.E. Shaw and, and some of the others uh, in terms of capital spending, in terms of allocation, even, Jim, in terms of their approach on climate, which we'd expect perhaps there will be some more commitments there's, there's from that a lot of, on. Bloomberg did a great piece about how they punted on carbon capture. Apparently, Occidental didn't. Mm-hmm. Just something positive about Occidental. Now, that is really saying that something. That is something. That's I, a first in years. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Carl, when you look at, at Exxon, it is interesting that the discussion in the fourth quarter was, is the dividend in doubt? And the discussion that it, since the year began is the dividend safe. But nothing's really happened other than oil going from 47 to 52. So I, I'm suspicious about all this group. You know, I think it's just a trade. I think that Chevron's real. I think Pioneer's real. But I think that we're going to, going to hear an anti-fossil fuel assault from this government like you wouldn't believe. I think it's going to be paramount uh, to almost all issues except for the vaccine. Hmm. Uh, the other thing, Jim, I wanted to get from you today uh, was your take on, on rates overall. Um, this week alone, uh, the president-elect has said we got to do this large spending now while rates are at historic lows. You had Bob Rubin uh, say we should do an ultra-long bond, something you've been calling for yes. for, I think, years now. Yeah, We're back below yes. 1-1. Um, it's time. I mean, head fake or not? It, it, it's time. Uh, look, this is before they start going up. It's the right thing to do. Uh, uh, Bob Rubin, my, uh, one of my bosses at Goldman Sachs, uh, totally right. I mean, I pushed Gary Cohn to do a 50 or 100 year. It has to be targeted, by the way. You have to say it's for something or else Congress won't go for it. Uh, But you can do the infrastructure 50 year uh, and America will buy that. You could do global warming bonds and America would buy it. Uh, What? Climate change. The global warming. Climate change. Okay. I mean, all right. Climate change. Call, call what you want. Climate, but I do think you know, climate change is commerce, which is anti-climate change because they did a groundwater issue. Yeah. P, you know, PFAS. But you think you could do issue debt for all sorts of different purposes. Absolutely. You could but, do so for long term. Yes. But uh, Gary Cohn did believe in it in the end. But then Gary left. And uh, I don't think that uh, Secretary Mnuchin was into it. No, I know he wasn't into it. No, you, at, you implored him to do it any number of times during your many interviews. Probably about 10 and he times. he just gave you the Heisman. He completely gave me the high. He did. Yeah. Actually, he taunted me. He did. He was 15. He taunted he me. He kept talking. We don't need to do that. Jim. No. He took his helmet off and slugged me. And then when I hit him back, they saw me, not him. You got the flag. <laughs> but Carl, I think it's the right time because I do think <laughs> rates have to go up. The long has to go up a little bit. Housing demand remains off the charts. The KB Homes quarter was the best quarter so far this year. No one focused on it. Yet that's a great bellwether about the economy. Toll Brothers says it's the strongest market they've ever seen, Carl. Ever. So I think eventually mortgage rates have to go up a bit. Yeah. Strongest market On ever. cars? Um, cars. Yeah. Right, right, guys. I'm waiting. I'm um, waiting for the... Webbush uh, takes... I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, today on, on cars, uh, Webbush takes Tesla to 950. Uh, their bull case goes to 1250, even though I think they remain at a neutral. You had a report out of Electric, guys, that uh, Tesla's asking their workforce to clear out the inventory of all the existing S's and X's. And then an interesting story out of Reuters, Jim, um, about the automaker shutdowns as it pertains to chips. Uh, Industry telling the wire service that they believe some of this is due to the pressure that the White House put on Chinese factories that's now resulting in obviously this downtime. Well, I'm not buying that at all. I think it's Taiwan Semi, which underspent, didn't realize how much you know, Taiwan Semi is the most important semiconductor company in the world. And people say, why are you focused on some little whatever? It, it, Taiwan Semi is a 
$157 billion company that a lot of companies use in order to get chips. And they, uh, they upped their capital spend yesterday to a level I cannot believe, $25, 28000000000 billion. Why? Because they are the ones. It's not even their fault. I mean, how, did you, how could you ever have thought we would have a shortage? David, we, yeah. were at, we had a glut of chips yes. five months ago. Now we have an incredible shortage of chips. Who could have possibly foreseen that? I don't want to blame them too much. No. Uh, look at the move in that stock. Look at the move in the group as well, as you know. Well, the demand. Anything chip related. Demand's off the charts. Yeah. For everything. For auto chips, for PC chips. PC market is incredibly strong. Incredibly strong. I think Dell's a buy, David. Yep. Dell's come down because Pat Gelsinger left VMware. I think yes. Dell's, Dell's going to have a good number. It probably will. By the way, on the subject of Mr. Gelsinger, we did get the 8K with his pay package. Yeah, uh, and if he succeeds in getting that stock price up significantly, he will become an immensely wealthy man, well over $100 million if the shares increase 200%. So nobody's going to be upset with that again. It, is, it aligns to a, to a large extent with shareholder performance. Uh, five-year duration, roughly 75% performance-based is his pay package. Uh, and, you know, moving up at various points, 20% relative to the S&P, 30% on 30% appreciation, 40% on 50% appreciation, and on from there. But the point is, Gelsinger does well, he does really well, and obviously shareholders will benefit. You know, this situation with Intel versus AMD, Carl, everyone's all jazzed about Intel, and I think that's great. They've got some good leadership, and everyone therefore thinks that AMD has to do poorly. This is a kind of situation where when Lisa Sue comes on, the CEO, you're going to say, well, wh- why did I sell it? Oh, yeah, there's a new guy at Intel. I mean, these things are battleships. They can't be turned. They can't just, like, we're going to be looking at Gelsinger a year from now and saying, how's it going? Are you anywhere? Because these are very complex things that they're building. And by the way, NVIDIA doesn't even believe in, the, in Moore's law anymore. NVIDIA is doing amazing stuff. They had a great <laughs> CES uh, presentation. That stock's finally gotten its mojo back, mojo being a term that we use uh, when we're on Reddit. Because uh, David, mojo, you know, Reddit. Emojis. There's yes, a lot of negative emojis next to your name yes, on Reddit. Yes, there are, there. especially with that CCIV. You know, no, I know. You bring together a SPAC and EV it's like nuclear fission. It's like putting together, you know, the uranium-235 or whatever it is that makes the, the original, yeah, the bomb. I mean, it's just crazy. And then Reddit. Throw Reddit in, and then that's the fuse, and boom. Well, David, when you, are you ready to kill the Tilray uh, Afria deal? Are you going to no, shoot that down, too? No, I nothing on that. I got nothing on that. Why? Is there something worth looking well, into? Well, I just know that if it's going higher, you're ready to you're oh, ready. You're really, really going to do this? Really? You're going to? Threaten, you know, I mean, you're going to put me in danger. No, okay, I take it back. GME, though, is going down. And by the way, you're in league with me, apparently. Didn't you hear? We're in this together. Yeah. We're not allowed to trade stocks. No, we should point that out, Carl. I think every so often it's for, especially for our newer viewers or people who watch us in other ways or maybe see a YouTube clip, we can't own stocks. Can't short stocks. Can't own options. We can't even own corporate bonds. No. Thank you. Nope. Can't invest in hedge funds like either, by the years. way. Can't invest in hedge funds. Can't, uh, yeah. Basically can't do anything. Checking accounts. Yeah. ETFs and mutual <laughs> yeah. funds. And checking accounts. And checking accounts. Yes. And real estate. And restaurants. Uh, yeah. That's Farsi why Miguel, all we're going to reopen. Estate. We're going to reopen. I'm shooting for Sanko de Mile. Oh, I'm going to be We're going to reopen. We're not be we're there. putting people back to work, Carl. We are not going to tolerate this. We're going back. Uh, I hope I was thinking of you this morning, Jim, uh, the comments out of Chipotle that uh, they see more normal levels of dining 
by uh, early summer, and I and thought, drinking. I wonder if Jim's going to take the plunge. And drinking. <laughs> oh, the margins on liquor versus that stupid DoorDash takeout. I, I, I like DoorDash, but you know, you, no one ever says, listen, I'd like to take a couple of Margies. And then my Margie lemonade yeah. stand was closed down, you know. Okay. Oh, uh, we can't wait. We're all going back on day one Thank with you. Uh, yes, Jim, sir. When that happens. In the meantime, uh, it is the worst week for the Dow and the S&P since about Halloween. Let's get to Rick Santelli again this morning. Hey, Rick. Hey, good morning, Carl. Yes, you know, watching equities, of course, they have a big influence on interest rates. If you look at a one week of tens, easy areas to point out. 118 yield basically has been the high yield. And if you open the chart up to March, you could clearly see that right at uh, Mid-March, we hit a level of 119. That's obviously been a breaker. Let's go to a long chart. Nine years. Let's go back to 2012. And this is a most important chart. You see all these important bottoms in July of 2012, July of 2016, in the mid-130s. You have 150s, 158. All these bottoms are very significant. And they're right above us. We know where we're going to be consolidating. We want to pay attention. If you look at the S&P and the 10s on a chart for one month, as I pointed out earlier, you could see that the equity markets are definitely giving much more upside, much more selling pressure to the treasury complex. And when stocks take the uh, foot off the gas with regard to the upside, it eases back a bit. The real notion is what happens when interest rates maybe keep going up and stocks don't. That's something we'll have to pay attention to in the future. Finally, on the foreign exchange side, here's the dollar index going back to a week ago Wednesday when it made its intraday 32-month low at 90 or 89.20. The reason this chart's important, 9072's been the intraday high. We're getting close. You want to watch that level. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right. Busy morning for you, Rick. Thank you. Uh, still to come today, uh, with big tech facing that backlash over social media and free speech, we're going to check in exclusively with former TikTok CEO Kevin Mayer. That's coming up later this morning on Squawk Alley. Early session low down, Dow down 217. Don't go anywhere. Fifty-four percent of Americans said they either plan to travel in 2021 or they're currently planning their travel plans right now as we speak. But what they're telling us is the first trip they're yearning for was taken away from them. They're not yearning to go to Times Square. What they're yearning to do is see their friends and their family they haven't seen in a long time, and they want to spend time with them. So mass travel is going to be replaced by meaningful travel. That's Airbnb's Brian Chesky at Reuters next yesterday. Jim, uh, echoing what he has said before, uh, some argue out of self-interest that travel will never return in the way we knew it then. Well, I think that a lot of people recognize that uh, they've sampled Airbnb during this period and I think found it to be inexpensive, uh, a, a relatively clean way uh, versus, say, a hotel where people are a little fearful. I disagree with Brian. Uh, I think that uh, there's going to be a happy days, be a post-World War II feel. Uh, I know that if you take a look at the cruise lines, they're already booked up for uh, 2022 in a lot of cases. Uh, people want to go places. People want to do things, pan up, a lot of cash. And uh, I think that not, they won't necessarily go back to the way 2018 is. It'll be different. But look out. I think that we're going to be on the cusp, David, of a boom when we get immunized. Yeah, in all sorts of different ways. 
Yeah. People just out all the time, oh, going yeah. crazy, traveling, doing anything. Are you, are you making fun of me? No, I'm going to be there at your restaurant. Well, I might even pay for my drinks. That's never happened. <laughs> well, it's your restaurant. I mean, come on. I, wait, I paid something. for a drink. Yeah, I know. You by did. the way, you did. we do pay. In fact, as I recall, we once went to his restaurant, Carl, and I think we paid for his dinner. Look, my, my daughter went to the restaurant and didn't know that my bartender didn't know it was my daughter. And she says, boy, this place is great. It's all free. What kind of tip do I leave? That's no wonder we got invited. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's do it again. Jim invites you to dinner so you can pay. Uh, we'll take a break here. We're back in just a minute. It hasn't been a standout week for stocks at large, but some of the individual leaders week to date on the S&P certainly got a lot of deserved chatter. Etsy up 18, GM up 17, Oxy, Intel, and Viacom, which David was just mentioning. We'll take a break once again. Be back in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Yeah, I know the departure of Mark Laurie from e-com at Walmart uh, was a surprise to me, but the company assures me that it's the right time, the infrastructure, the strategy is all in place and working. I'll be, still be able to benefit from his vice because there's no uh, hard feelings and that he is, and this is certainly true from when I met him, an entrepreneur at heart, an entrepreneur who wants to get on with the next thing. Uh, I think Walmart's very inexpensive. My chapel trust owns it, but look, they may say that everything's great. Uh, and I'm sure there is a lot of build out. But I just when you sit with Mark Laurie, he comes up with ideas that make you billion, billions. You want that. You want that on your team. Yeah, I was just looking at a profile uh, that uh, I think Recode put out, Jim, in which he said, I just hope people think of Walmart differently than they did four years ago. He really did. He changed the culture. And I got a hand in that. And maybe he well, so Doug McMillan did, too. But they are the e-commerce king. They're the only guy that can really rival Amazon. And that is Mark Lurie. Mark Lurie did that. They did not have that before he got there. It was a really smart move. It turned out to be inexpensive because that's how good when they bought Jet. That's how good Mark Lurie is. And I want to believe that everything is uh, terrific. I think Walmart stock is incredibly undervalued, Carl. Incredibly. All right, Jim. How are you going to close it out tonight? Uh, I'm going with these new companies. These companies that come public via SPACs and whatever. I got Upstart uh, and Porch. Porch, Matt Ehrlichman, serial uh, entrepreneur, brilliant guy. We're doing it's uh, housing, basically, uh, technology. There you go. And then I got to watch to see what David does with all these stocks that I follow on the uh, Wall Street Bets board. Go back, Carl. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Jim, we'll see you on Tuesday and tonight, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, of course. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.